0: Welcome back to the MarTech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about using content to create meaningful customer experiences. Joining us is Katie Miserini, who is the founding partner at Worthwhile Digital, which is a full-service digital agency that helps their clients with branding and content strategies to fully integrate their marketing campaigns and product launches. Yesterday, Katie told us about her strategy for crafting a marketing message that resonates and translates across multiple platforms. And today we're going to discuss her tactical advice on using own channels for message testing. Okay, here's our interview with Katie Miserini, founding partner at Worthwhile Digital. Katie, welcome back to the Martech podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Great to have you back. Yesterday, we talked about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. How do you create a message that not only represents what your company wants to accomplish, but also resonates with your customer base? And there was three very clear steps that you laid out. I'm going to paraphrase them, but you have to figure out what you want to say, have some research to back it, and figure out what channels you're going to use to get that message across. And we sort of invented a fourth step in your process, which is make sure that you're talking to your customers to understand that the message that you're distributing is something that they want to hear and it's going to a place that they care about it. I want to dive deep into an area that I don't have a lot of expertise in and that you clearly do, which is own media. But before we get down the rabbit hole, let's talk about the difference between owned, earned and paid media. I'll take paid media first. You know, If you're paying for an ad and you have a promotion and you're trying to drive somebody to your website, it's paid media. That's a hard one. Talk to me about the difference between earned and owned media.
2: I think about earned media as any time that you're asking someone to promote you or you have to earn the right to be promoted, right? So that's all of your channels like analyst relations, public relations, any kind of media relations that you're doing. By contrast, any owned channels are channels where you can go on and directly do whatever you want. So you're pushing out your messaging. It's getting out in front of the audience that you have. You're not having to go through any third party to get your message out there.
1: So I think of this as content strategy, right? Your blog, your social media channels, dare I say your podcast, if you have one. You know, it's all the content that you're producing and publishing on your own, not necessarily properties that someone else owns and they're taking your content and republishing it. Correct. So talk to me about the owned media strategy.
2: I think this is a really fun tactic and it's actually super easy to spin up whenever you want to test a new idea. And this is one of my favorite parts about working in marketing is that. Anytime anyone on your team has an idea, you can spin up a test and it just might end up being the kind of thing that can change your whole strategy or influence your entire company. It's particularly useful, this type of message testing, whenever you're doing any kind of philosophy marketing. And we talked about philosophy marketing yesterday, but that's the idea that you're not just convincing someone to buy a product or try your service. You're really convincing them to buy into your way of doing things or a new philosophy. So... Salesforce, for example, when they made their logo, the little no software symbol, they were trying to sell a new philosophy and that led to, or was part of the very beginning of SaaS. Uber and Lyft had to convince people that they should capitalize their cars. They can use their cars to make money. That was part of the very beginning of the gig economy. So these are bigger shifts than just try my product. It's really convincing people of a new way of doing something. Testing messages on owned channels is a really quick way to see if you're on the right track with your philosophy and how you're presenting it to folks in the market.
1: So here's my concern. Before we get going, I do want to talk about a case study and and have you give me an example. But you're talking about message testing on owned media, which I feel like there's some inherent risk, right? If you're constantly changing your message and narrative and publishing it you're sort of potentially sending mixed signals to an audience. So give me an example of somebody that is using own media successfully. Talk to me about somebody that's applying your strategy, but also how are they de-risking figuring out whether a message works without just having 10 different messages and campaigns going at the same time?
2: I have a client who does this really well. So they are in a very crowded space. It's the data analytics software space. There's a ton of players. They all fill different roles. And people who are buying data software have a million stakeholders, right? So there's the primary users, but there's also non-technical folks like salespeople, head of sales, head of product. You've got C-suite executives who are buying into this decision. And then you've got your everyday analysts and scientists who are working on the platform.
1: Lots of chiefs.
2: Lots of chiefs. Lots of people in the room. And there's a belief, I would say, which is probably the dominant narrative out there, that the best data software can be used by anyone. We should be democratizing data access. Everybody should be able to use this platform that you bring on board. My client is selling a different philosophy, which is that empowering the data scientists, the experts on your team, is actually the fastest way to create value for the organization. So they're not selling a car. They're selling a race car. It's a highly specialized tool. It can do a lot more. It needs to be in the hands of the right person to create value for your company. Now, we did some market analysis together just to say, is this possible for them to carve out this position? Is it competitive in the market? And the answer was yes. We thought they could authentically tell this story. But then we wanted to do that last step, step number four, that we talked about yesterday of finding out, will customers buy it? Are they interested in this? Is it going to resonate with them? So... What we did was, and this is bringing in the paid channels that you were talking about into the own channels, we spun up some AdWords tests and we took their top five or six keyword groups on AdWords and wrote three to four new ads per cluster that would get at this idea of building a tool by data scientists for data scientists that was going to be the race car they needed to actually drive value in their organizations. So, for example, the old ads would say something pretty generic that just about any BI tool could say, which was along the lines of a powerful web-based SQL editor with charting and sharing. The new ads said something like, try the only advanced analytics platform designed explicitly for modern data scientists.
1: Something to the extent of your marketer won't understand how to use this. Exactly. Got it.
2: <laughs> if you live in San Francisco, you've seen that big billboard that just says, ask your developer about Twilio. Yeah. It was akin to that. You know, this is the kind of thing that we're messaging explicitly to the technical user. PhDs only. Exactly. We let these run for a couple of weeks and we found that the new messaging clusters were driving a 24% higher click-through rate and against competitor terms. So people who are looking for competitors in this space. They actually performed twice as well as the old ads did. So this was a small test. And we purposefully kept it small to address your question of, we don't want to start confusing our messaging in the market or put things out that are going to be confusing to customers. But it did give us enough data to then push to the next phase of validating this messaging. We're going to roll it out on the website. We're doing it page by page. And we're seeing some really positive returns. And then we're going to push it further into sales collateral and other top-line messaging as we go.
1: So essentially, what you're saying is you're using your paid media channels to do message testing, and once you've validated that a message, you know your hypothesis is true, then you're able to roll out that message to more permanent channels, your web page, and now you're starting to produce blog content, you know, more evergreen content to try to drive the point home. You know, in this case, that your data scientist needs a race car.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes your hypothesis will be totally wrong. So. I know in my lean-in days, we had this amazing partnership with Getty. So we could get all these beautiful, glossy photos with perfect models and everybody's dream marketing collateral for free. And Getty would let us use them. But every time we tested ads using those beautiful, glossy images against just snapshots of women in the office and their families, the women in the office won every time. And it was totally against what we expected. We expected these more beautiful images to really resonate. But we think it was the authenticity of those other photos that allowed them to pop in a bigger way.
1: That's interesting. The every woman resonates more with every woman.
2: Exactly. And I think on social channels in particular, when you're just scrolling through the feed and you see a beautiful, really highly produced image, it's almost a signal that that image is coming from a brand and not a person. And when it's more of an authentic image that you, or one of your friends might be posting, it can really resonate with you.
1: So talk to me a little bit more about that. One of the trends that I've seen in marketing is the shift away from people wanting to be advertised to, and they're less interested in what brands say and more interested in what people that work at brands say. Have you seen the same trend and how are you using that to distribute owned media?
2: I do. I have been seeing that for a couple of years now, and I really think of it as a shift away from everything that's super glossy to more authentic storytelling. We talked yesterday a little bit about how people distrust marketers and really put a lot of value in customer stories and testimonials. And so I try to put customers at the center of almost all the marketing that I do, making sure that their stories are represented or as in the Bonobos case that you brought up, that their aspirations are there in the storytelling so that they're seeing themselves reflected in some way.
1: Yeah. One of the, th- the examples that I've been using about the deterioration of marketing a brand and the increase of marketing to people, a podcast that I do called the Voices of Search Podcast for a client search metrics that's for the SEO community. And when we started promoting our content, we sent an email out on behalf of search metrics that said, hey, we're launching a new podcast. Everybody should check it out. Came on your nice little formatted HTML, beautiful email. Nobody clicked. Nobody cared. We sent a personal email from the CEO using the same system. It was still going through Marketo, but it looked like it was just coming from Gmail from the CEO who is the lead guest on the show. And all of a sudden we were getting great resonance and the podcast started taking off. And now... I don't think anybody was super confused about whether the CEO was a representative of the company, but just the shift in tone of somebody is sending me an email that is personalized from the brand and not a person, but this universal collection of people, it just didn't resonate. So personal marketing, you know, whether it's brands or even who is writing the articles for your blogs, like having a perspective and putting it in first person is incredibly important.
2: I totally agree. It's interesting to think about as it's gotten easier and cheaper to have higher production quality, how much people are now hungry for that more authentic storytelling. So if you think about really overproduced podcasts that exist, they're not more popular than the kind of nitty gritty podcasts that are just two people talking.
1: Kind of drecky marketing podcasts that everybody listens to.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> sorry, everybody.
2: I personally, am a <laughs> podcast junkie and I listen to all kinds of topics, but the ones I like the best are almost barely edited. I mean, they're talking, they make mistakes, the producer comes on and says something. So I think there's an interesting shift in people's appetite for content and really wanting to get to the heart of what something is and not be sold to so explicitly.
1: Yeah. Here at the MarTech Podcast, we don't have the producer comment on the show because we can't afford a producer yet. (laughs) Anyway, we have a producer. He just also happens to be the host. Now I'm talking too much about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk more about own media. Give us some last tips on, you know, once you figure out what your message is, how do you distribute it across the multiple channels?
2: I think this is where it's really important to think about what works best on each channel for you. And if you don't know that, I think you need to do a lot more testing. So as an example, we often will create GIFs. For specific channels on Facebook, gifts were doing really well for us, but on Twitter, maybe they aren't, right? Or like I mentioned, using more authentic photos of real people versus glossier photos. Some folks have told me black and white photos work really well for them. But you should be constantly tinkering with these things so that you know by channel what's going to work the best for you. I think of certain channels as highly visual. Obviously, Instagram is an example of that. But I think that's also becoming more true across Twitter as well, where images, especially link images that are coming through, are going to drive a lot of clicks and a lot of attention.
1: Yeah, there's a couple different things that I've realized working on the MarTech podcast in terms of owned media properties. I think titling is obviously very important. Mostly, you know, there's a step here where it goes, can you get somebody to engage with it? What's your title? Your body is, how long the engagement, how deep it is, and whether you're going to drive somebody to the preferred call to action. So you can look at your own media strategies and break down where it's working based on your analytics. I also think that finding the right balance and mix and building content that is specific to the different channel that you're using, if you're on Twitter, you could post five times a day and you just wanna have a different mix and keep it relevant instead of just constantly reposting the same content all of the time. One little nitpick that I have is whenever somebody mentions you in a post and when they repost that tweet every day, it tags the person that you're posting every day. So if people do that, whether they're tagging the MarTech podcast or my social feed and they'll reshare that content, it's like six o'clock in the morning, I get the Twitter buzz from people, it drives me nuts. <laughs> but I do think that you know understanding the nature of how people consume content in a given medium And also being patient and developing a reputation and building a community within that format. If you're going to podcast or create a blog, you got to do it all of the time. You got to be consistent. If you're going to be on LinkedIn, you have to talk about the type of things that people care about when they're thinking about their career and career management. Twitter is about content. Facebook is about what you're doing when you're not paying attention at work. Sorry, Facebook. You know, there's (laughs) lots of different ways to think about all the different social mediums. And so you have to become an expert and really engage with the community and figure out what makes sense for your brand. But, you know, follow some of the best practices and not just try to shoehorn your content into every different medium and use the same thing repeated over and over and over again.
2: I totally agree. I think it's super important to know what works best on each medium. And then that last piece that you mentioned as well for your brand is really important because sometimes you'll see these B2B companies trying to do very B2C marketing and it just flops, it falls completely flat. It's not what people are looking for from them on that medium. So I think adding your brand layer on there is also super important.
1: At the end of the day, as marketers, a huge portion of our job is storytelling. And as I mentioned at the end of our last episode, Creating that connection between the story that you're telling and validating that it is something that resonates with your customers is incredibly important. Now distributing that message when you own the message, making sure that you understand the medium that you're presenting it and taking in all the different contexts for how someone is consuming that content, that's what really drives resonance. It builds your social following, it builds your credibilities, and it drives your business success
2: hundred percent. And the last thing I would say is just measure everything. Make sure you're tracking that stuff so you really understand the impact and and what is going to have the highest ROI for you.
1: Great advice. Okay. Katie, thank you so much for being our guest. Great to talk about branding and own media. I appreciate your help.
2: I loved it. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Katie Miserani, the founding partner at Worthwhile Digital, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Katie, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also send her a tweet at Katie Miserani, K-A-T-I-E-M-I-S-E-R-A-N-Y, or you can visit her company's website, which is worthwhiledigital.com. A couple of links I want to tell you about in our show notes, if you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening, just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Martech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. My handle is Ben J. Schapp on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we have a once-a-week newsletter with links to our audio players, episodes, summaries, and the contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com newsletter. All right, that's it for today. Thanks again to Katie Miserini for joining us. And until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.